0: Scuba Obsessed, the weekly podcast, we talk about all things scuba diving, from cool new gear to places to dive in Scuba new News. Scuba Obsessed episode 377 is recorded live August 9th, 2018. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilson coming to you from the southwest side of the great state of Michigan where it is a little bit rainy this time of year. Uh, normally I'd be introducing our guests, but uh, Mac is is unable to get connected. Audio has just been given the fit, so he may pop in as we get going. We also had Jim earlier, but he's hit a dead spot. He was traveling remotely, so we'll keep an eye out for him as well. Um, like to apologize for everybody for last week's show. We were gonna we were all ready to get it going and then we had some storms come rolling here through Michigan and they knocked out the power. So without power it's not a not great to try and do the podcast. So we just postponed it for this week. So it doesn't look like technology's working with us any better this week. Uh we will be off next week. Next week is the Berrien County Youth Fair and I'll be cooking up a Tens of thousands of corn dogs, so you happen to be an area that's about the best deal on the fairgrounds, but we will not be recording next week. Uh, You should be hearing this episode, so this episode will be uh, uploaded Thursday, and that will bring us current, so from that point on, we should be hearing podcasts the same week they're on. We've worked through the backlog, got everything all synced up, and uh, we're getting caught up. So, let's go ahead and jump on into the news. The first article is a follow-up. If you remember, they had that uh, billion-dollar shipwreck that was discovered. Uh, The the Russian shipwreck, well, the CEO of the company that they're now accusing of a scam, police on Thursday summoned former chief chief executives of the company suspected of defrauding investors with a Russian shipwreck rumored to contain treasure. Uh, Ryu Sangmi, former head of Sinil Group, appeared for questioning as a witness on Thursday afternoon. Ryu is uh, the sister of Ju Jing Boim, who allegedly spearheaded the fraud scheme from Vietnam, police requested Interpol place you on its wanted list. According to authorities, channel group pulled off the cryptocurrency racket by claiming on July 17th to have found the Russian cruiser Donaskayo, which I'm mispronouncing, which sank 113 years ago in water near Ulong Island. The company encouraged investors to buy its cryptocurrency and promised to pay investors with sunken treasure. When the, which the company claimed to be 130 trillion won, which is a 133.6 billion worth of gold bars and other treasures. Authorities believe you, the former head of the affiliate Singapore, established a cryptocurrency exchange to facilitate the scheme. Yu has previously been convicted of real estate fraud, according to his acquaintances, and allegedly tried to lie low for the past seven years in Vietnam to avoid investigations there. Yu allegedly has been using a number of pseudonyms, including Jung Ang Ubo Source. Well, uh, was it UG is It's a name he uses on the official website of the Sunil affiliate in Singapore. Yu and Jin is the official name of the identification papers according to, and there's another name. So they just, it just goes on and on with all these names. He stepped down Monday amid ongoing investigation. Both former executives are being questioned as witnesses in the case. Uh, they managed to attract tens of billions of won in investment despite widespread doubt of the company's claims. In late July, the Financial Service Surviv- <laughs> Supervisory Service, Korea's financial watchdog, began a probe in the company and police began investigating the case around the same time after the company that claimed to have found the shipwreck reported, uh, before uh, the Sunil reported it for the company, alleged investment fraud. Police uh, raided offices of the group in Western Seoul on Tuesday, along with homes of senior level employees involved in the case. So, uh, well, the news media like to cover this, it does appear to be, uh, looking more and more like it was just a fraud, that it wasn't really an original shipwreck and that they were vastly overestimating what could be there and that if they could even get anything. So, and then another follow-up article, if you remember, there was a tragedy in Eagle's nest cave. They now have new scuba permit rules. This is, uh, Hernando County, Florida last month. The body of missing diver was found in Eagle's Nest Cave just north of uh, Wikiwichi Springs. A new new scuba permit rule that took effect Thursday aims to make the underwater location more restricted to inexperienced divers. Details of the new rule include the diver rule requires all divers to register to dive anywhere in the management area. The registration process is online at no cost, and they provide a link. Scuba dive registration information will be clearly posted on a sign at the WMA Entry Check Station at Eagle's Nest site. The rule to register only applies to scuba diving and scuba divers. All scuba divers must be at least 18 years old. Each diver must register for each separate dive. Divers are required to have completed proof of registration in their possession and present either a paper or e-copy to a commissioner law enforcement upon a request. Not having proper registration could result in a citation. Sylvester Muller, who has been cave diving for almost 30 years here, worked uh, with other expert cave divers in the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission to get the spot more restricted to the inexperienced. Muller said in July, the new rules call for you to either be a swimmer or a fully certified cave diver with the proper certifications. So these changes have been years in the making. At least 11 people have been killed diving in the caves at Eagle's Nest since 1981. Uh, I, I didn't see anywhere that they were requiring that you had to be CAVE certified, but then they're saying it below. So what I'm going to do now, if it doesn't kill our whole internet connection, is look at the permit. Oh, this is a nice government website, and I'm not serious here. I think it's... Uh, oh, yeah, this. The, the, so this is how they're going to restrict it. You're never going to be able to find the permit. So the first page that they sent you to, ah, uh, there it is. Okay, so here we've gotten to it. I've got to put a username, password. Oh, we don't have time for this. So that's what they're doing is there's red taping it to the point where only serious people are going to apply. Uh, well, you know, I'll, I'll reserve my view on this, but uh, I, I, I think bureaucracy and, and is is not going to be enough. And then we have a scuba diver's injured after being hit by a boat while surfacing in Fort Lauderdale. A 23-year-old scuba diver has been injured after he was struck by the boat's propeller. Fort Lauderdale Fire Rescue transported the diver to Broward Health Medical Facility Wednesday after he suffered injuries to his back and shoulders. Paramedics said diver's injuries were not life-threatening, and he was conscious and alert while being transported. The diver was surfacing from approximately 70 feet of water about a mile offshore from the Hollywood beach where he was struck by the boat. Significant damage was done to the diving gear from the impact, including, and they say oxygen tank, but we know it's just the regular scuba tank and breathing apparatus. He was hit by the prop. Fortunately, he had another vessel or a boat that was there with him with his friends on board. He was diving with a buddy. They'll be able to get him in the boat and help him out. And they were able to bring him to shore, notify us so we could make contact and have units waiting for him on land. Coast Guard officials and the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission are still investigating what happened and have questioned two men in relation to the incident. Initially, officials said the incident was a possible hit-and-run during which the boat didn't stop to render aid, but now uh, the cause of the collision is yet to be determined. Yeah, that's a bad sentence. Investigators know the boat of interest that was said to have left the scene of the incident heading southbound. It was described as a white, 40 to 60 foot sports fishing boat with a black bottom. We're actively searching for the vessel that may have been involved. When asked if it's normal for a boat that size to go missing in the middle of the water, I can't really say if it's normal, but it does happen. The case remains an open investigation right now. We're looking at everything. You can call it whatever you want, but we're looking to find out exactly what happened. Meanwhile, the 23 year old remains in a hospital in stable condition. What they don't say is were they properly flying a flag? Uh, They appear to be near a A boat. So was the boat uh, flying a dive flag, Uh, or was there the divers with a flag? And it it doesn't. It's not clear on that. Uh, They say it's hit and run. I think you'd notice if you hit a a diver in a tank with your prop, Uh, but you know we don't know for sure. Then here's here's another one. It's a. I wish we had some (laughs) more positive stories. Swimmer's stomach is ripped open on a sharp object as he dives into the Hampstead Heath Pond after water levels lowered by hot weather. Scuba divers are today trawling the famous Hampstead Heath Men's Pond after the man sustained life-threatening injury when he dived in. Matthew Hernan, an actor, sliced his stomach open on a sharp object at the bottom of the pond after jumping in the water on Sunday. Lifeguards helped a blood-soaked Mr. Wernham out of the pond and was rushed to the Royal Free Hospital. The swimmer said he needed several stitches to a deep wound in his stomach and the f- called the officials to issue a warning potential danger in the pond. After arriving at the hospital, Mr. Murham was wheeled past floor-to-ceiling photo of the pond exactly where he injured himself on the hospital wall, which he tweeted a photo of. So, as your stomach's slit open, you just have to take that uh, that post and put it on Twitter, <laughs> he said on Tuesday. Waiting to go in the surgery at Royal Free next to a floor ceiling photo of the pond really isn't the way to end a Sunday swim. Sent a tweet to the City of London Corporation saying, I suffered a life-threatening injury at Man's Pond on Sunday. I was expecting a feed full of warnings about shallow water, but nothing. I've seen videos of friends swimming in the same place on Monday. Your lifeguards are fantastic, but can't all be left to them. Royce Cronin, a friend of Mr. Merhans, witnessed the accident, tweeted, My friend died from the spot marked for diving, got horrifically injured. The water level of the pond, which reaches 20 feet in some places, has dipped recent months due to the heat wave and lack of rain. Mr. Warham was discharged in a hospital on Tuesday. is thought to be recovering at home. Bosses in the City of London Corporation, which is responsible for the ponds, are now sending a team of divers to search the pond to get rid of the underwater objects. A spokesman for the City of London Corporation said public safety is our number one priority and measures are in place to prevent people from diving off the jetty while an accident under investigation is underway. Signs warning and advising swimmers about diving in the bathing pond are clearly visible. A man was taken to the hospital on Sunday after he dived off the jetty and emerged with an injury to his abdomen. Hampstead Heath staff gave first aid to the man at the scene who was later taken to the hospital to London Ambulance Service. We wish him a full and speedy recovery. But really, not a whole lot of information there. Um, so you're, we're assuming that there was something protruding from the bottom that was sharp enough to slice him open. He's actually lucky he didn't split his head open. appears that the water level might not have been deep enough. And then in Lake Tahoe, we have volunteers who have removed 500 pounds of trash. 40 volunteers, including 20 scuba divers, removed 500 pounds of trash from beneath the lake surface. There's got to be some stuff that's been there since the 50s that's never going away, said diver Ann Britt Heskinson. Cans and bottles are not the only things collected from the area around Bonsai Rock. I'm glad we're doing it. It makes me realize that we should do the whole lake. Maybe one day we'll get to it, says Tiffany Rice, co owner of Tahoe Dive Center. Kayaks, paddle boarders, and Tahoe Regional Protection Agency boats are also there to make sure the scuba divers wouldn't have to surface every time they found something nature would never decompose. When you have your trash, you take it when you leave, says uh, Megan Casso. So they have some. Uh, nice job 500 pounds. I mean that's that's a good start. Uh you know every little bit counts. I'm 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 actually a little surprised it wasn't more. But uh 40 volunteers and 20, 20 divers that's about what you need. Yeah, the chat room saying uh as as soon as you uh, it's like uh painting the Mackinac Bridge as soon as you're done you start over. And they have an article uh wondering what does it take to remove oil from a shipwreck? And evidently it's quite a bit. Work began Tuesday to remove oil from a sunken paper carrier, Manilus L. in Notre Dame Bay, and the undertaking will take 140 people to ensure the operation is successful. Those involved will come from agencies in Canada and the United States to remove 150,000 liters of oil, which sank in the vessel in 1985. The federal government pledged $15 million for the operation. This is a Canadian website, so that's, I'm guessing that means the Canadian federal government. It's important to remove the oil now to avoid potential pollution in the future, said Ann Miller, Regional Director of Canadian Coast Guard. We're addressing the concerns that are raised by the people of Canada and specifically people in the area. Suck it up. Over the next four weeks, the salvage vessel Tidewater Enabler will pump oil from the wreck, which lies in 70 meters of water near Change Island in Newfoundland's northeast coast. Crews have been testing equipment now that is in sight with hopes of beginning to recover the oil in the next few days. Federal officials say the removal operation is the largest ever undertaken by Canada's East Coast. The Coast Guard will be tasked with taking preventative measures on the surface in the event that oil might spill during the removal process. Ardent Global also salvaged Costa Concordia. Ardent Global will, hel- will handle the removal itself. The company specializes in shipwreck removal. It's the same company successfully refloated Costa Concordia ship that went ashore in Italy in 2012. It was awarded $15 million contract in April. Instead of divers, however, the company will be using remote-operated vehicles or ROVs. This will increase the safety of the operation, will also allow for longer dives. It limits the time you can spend on the bottom, the amount of work that can be achieved in a day, Miller said, about using human divers instead of robots. But there's also a larger risk and a safety risk. With a command center salvage vessel, the Canadian Coast Guard acting as a buffer and the 140 people involved in the oil's removal, it's all about protecting the environment and the fisheries after the 2013 storm caused small leaks in Iraq where oil escaped, according to Miller. It's important that people that live there, the stakeholders, local communities, and risks expose them to the economy. And we can hear Jim. How you doing today, Jim? Uh, good. How are you? Doing good.
1: Glad I made it back in.
0: Glad you're here. And we're, we're, we're getting down to the last couple articles. You Okay. This next one is uh, one in National Geographic. While free diving on the shore of uh, Lo on Hawaiian Island of Lanai, Hawaiian family saw something they'd never seen before, a young whale shark. Even for people who spend a lot of time in Hawaii's waters, this animal is rare and joyous sight. But the initial wonder faded as they noticed that the uh, creature had a thick, heavy rope wrapped around its neck. It looked really sore, said Roarer. There were these three scars from where the rope rubbed ridges on her back. The rope had cut probably three inches in her pectoral fin. After filming the shark for a while, the family decided to cut the rope with a dive knife. Using only his experience as a free diver and a small serrated dive blade, Roward dove down again to the depths of about 50 to 60 feet for spans up to two minutes at a time. Finally, after an hour and a half of careful work and a little bit of support from the couple's son, uh, a wildlife control manager the shark was free the family's 15-year-old daughter swam to the swam the 150 pounds worth of rope to the shore it's a family story so this is oh it's a whale shark because i was wondering if this was an actual whale which is a mammal they would suffocate but this is actually a shark clearly whale shark is better off now it's that it's without its unbreakable rope but will the shark be able to recover from the ordeal according to Brad Norman a national geographic explorer and one of the world's foremost experts on whale sharks you could tell the rope had been strangling the animal for at least a few months because of the barnacles that had colonized it. Hawaii's Department of Land and Natural Resources had actually been alerted to the shark plight in mid-July by scuba divers and had since sent out a call for people to report any further sightings. But Norman says all things considered, the shark appeared to be in pretty good condition. He also estimated the animal at least 20 years old, giving it excellent odds to survive. Although globally all whale sharks are de- endangered and threatened with extinction, we don't... Rev- Reverse the declining trend in their numbers, it's dire for the species as a whole. What's more, lost fishing gear doesn't just harm whale sharks. According to a recent report by World Animal Protection, more than 700,000 tons of new gear enters the ocean each year. Whale sharks typically swim away when touched, said Norman, so the fact the shark remained even after Roar began to saw the rope was evidence that it was comfortable the situation. Nor- Norman calls it amazing to see. Shark appears to have allowed the diver to assist seemingly knowing he's helping. Koopa credits his her husband's zen-like demeanor and heroic freediving ability, allowing him to be able to free the entangled shark. We all wanted to help, but none of us could hold our breath that long, she says. There's also something else about the experience. In Hawaii mythology, ancestors sometimes come back as guardian animals called amuka. These guardians are thought to protect families who also must help protect them. And we've never seen a whale shark before, just like native peoples around the world. You feel like a special connection to the resource that surrounds you and your family. I like to think that we're there for a reason and that at least we could do for helping that amazing experiencing a beautiful creature ways to help it survive. Now, those nets, they keep fishing. Doesn't seem like they ever stop. Then we have another one. Uh, This one is free scuba diving lessons are being offered at the Erie County Fair through Sunday. Now this The article is posted in Hamburg, New York. Through Sunday, you can learn how to scuba dive at the Erie County Fair. As long as you're at least 12 years old, you have to come out and try and make sure you bring a swimsuit. Out here, there's this fun atmosphere. We've got warm water, the suits, the towels. It's 42 inches deep, says uh, David Reinbeck, the Go Dive Now Pool Tour Coordinator. Instructors of the Go Dive Now travel the country on a mission to promote scuba diving for people of all ages. On our back, we're wearing a tank and a vest wearing... So we can adjust our buoyancy. The gear I'm wearing weighs 40 pounds, but underwater it feels much lighter and only feels like a couple of pounds. So this is this is actually I like this program, the Go Dive Now, uh, where they where they go around. Was that the same one that had been at uh, Our World Underwater?
1: I don't recognize it.
0: Okay, I didn't know if that was what what they were calling the Patty one. It seemed like Patty's done some of those. I'll probably regret this. I'm, I'm clicking on the link. And it will never come up. Okay. Well, then we got one more article and and this one's to end it with a bang. Um, there's been a show on discovery that uh, it it seems to be they're, They're dragging the bottom of the barrel, but because it's underwater and you occasionally see scuba divers, I've been watching it anyway. And that's the, uh, Cooper's, uh, was it Cooper's gold or Cooper's treasure? Whatever that show is.
1: Yeah. Cooper's treasure.
0: Cooper's treasure. Uh, which it, it seems like they, they're very skilled at dragging things out and being overly excited at things that you might not be as excited on. But like I said, you know, you, they, they are getting some diving in. But now they're teasing as, the, as the, I guess, the second season is coming to an end. Uh, he's saying that the, the, the treasure hunter claims he's found an alien spaceship while exploring ancient shipwrecks under the Bermuda Triangle. Intrepid shipwreck explorer Daryl Miklos stumbled across a huge structure in the Bahamas using maps designed by ex-NASA astronaut, uh, who is Gordon Cooper. Uh, during one of these trials, intrepid explorer Daryl stumbled across a mysterious structure he thinks could change how we view our place in the universe forever. The huge identified spaceship is covered in 15 unusual protrusions, which Daryl describes as anything, unlike anything he's ever seen. Uh, Daryl, who will show off his otherworldly find in Discovery Channel's Cooper's treasure. Uh, its It was also something that was completely different from anything I've seen that was made by nature. The mystery object is found lying in the seabed near the Bahamas within notorious 1.3 million kilometer watery grave known as the Bermuda's Triangle. In the scene is countless strange disappearances of planes and ships attracted, and then they go on. We know what the triangle is. Uh, astronaut Gordon Cooper designed the maps in 1960. And, uh, as they've been doing their search, they've noticed a hundred magnetic abnormalities. Uh, and he goes on and on and on and on. So, uh, but I think here at the end it says, uh, let's see, Daryl added, certainly nothing I've ever seen based on my experience and I have years of experience doing this. I've identified multiple different types of shipwreck material. This doesn't match anything or look anything like that. Looking back at Cooper's charts, still came across the puzzling note left by the former spaceman at the side of the structure. It said unidentified object. Now, Californian Daryl wants to investigate the mysterious site further, despite the risk he faces as being dubbed an alien conspiracy theorist. He wants to remain neutral. Until he can dig up more evidence on what the structure could be, and is hoping to have a third series of his Discovery Show commissioned to help him tell the story. Hopefully, Daryl added, I want to see what this is, because it may be nature-made, just a freak of nature, but given its placement, this particular part of the Caribbean, and given what Gordon has told me about visitors from another planet and other things I've seen, I think it's definitely worth investigating. I don't know. That doesn't look too unusual to me. And I'm not that much of a tropical diver, but that looks like just sponge formations, sponge and coral. So I think I'm going to be a little skeptical on this.
1: Well, you know, it's a leader in for next year. I think this thing on the episodes, and it was, like you say, they might have been scraping the bottom of the barrel. It was interesting to start. They hyped it really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been following it. I'm probably an episode or two behind. You know, it's, it's like anything dive related that's trying to build an audience. It's uh reality TV isn't always reality.
0: Yeah. Well, and it, and it's hard because if you saw it in real time, you'd bore 90% of the people to death. But the stories that I like to dig into are not the ones that they really cover on the, on the show. I'm just amazed at, uh, if you look at that show, the, uh, Equipment and gear that he's got.
1: Yeah, he went uh, first class on gear setups.
0: Yeah, that, that I mean, they got, I mean, just huge, you know, survey vessel that he had. Uh, the one boat that they were using for uh, mowing the lawn, a nice old Coast Guard vessel. Wouldn't mind having one of those to dive off of. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he had a nice ROV, the magnetometers, some side scans. So, yeah, he, he had the gear. So, so we got that to look forward to next year. So that does it for Scuba News. If you're getting any sort of benefit out of the program, please visit our website www. Click on over to our Patreon page. Any little bit of am- amount helps. And as we hit the fall, it's time where we get to up uh, not upgrade, but uh, renew our web hosting, which adds up to a lot. So certainly to thank everybody who's who's currently helping fund the show, and we appreciate that. Uh, We're on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Scuba Obsessed and on Twitter at Scuba Obsessed. So, Jim, I understand that you have been trying to make up for lost time and get some dives in.
1: I have been trying. I've been traveling a lot since the 1st of May, and so I finally got the get wet in the water Week or so ago, and I've been trying to get out at least twice a week um, to get caught up on some dives.
0: Excellent. Uh, and and I understand that the the temperature is not the 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 frigid waters that we're used to.
1: Very surprised. We've been on the Havana. Usually, it's you know late August or September when you lose the thermocline on the Havana, which is you know say fifty feet. Uh, but we dove it twice. Last week, uh, the first time I dove it in a seven mil, I'm going to call it a semi dry suit, and was so warm I had to flood the arms, the wrist seals to just cool down in it. Uh, the second time I went down with just a, I won't even call it a one mil. It was a just a simple Lycra skin that I normally use as a wicking layer under my dry suit, no hood, no gloves, and it was like 72 on the surface and 67 on the bottom. Did a thirty minute dive and was plenty comfortable, of course, I've got a pretty good layer of uh well <laughs>
0: if that's if that's been properly added, it's got a very great thermal value so
1: well, well, I've just been used to it, and I've enjoyed putting it there you know been, <laughs> you know Sundays and uh ice cream and you know all those important things you know yeah, but I do the vegetables you know I eat my vegetables every time I have carrot cake, yes.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I've 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 got the same uh, situation going on. In fact, I'm kind of I'm kind of worried. Uh, you know, the next time I got to zip up now with th- those temperatures, I might even be able to break out my wetsuit and use that. So, which I which uh,
1: There enough pieces still stitched together that it will. will I z- I,
0: part I, body? I don't know. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was digging around here in the basement, and my wife said, "Oh, there's an old tote." that appears to be empty. Why don't you uh, bring that up and, you know, they can use it for horse tack. And I opened it up and it was my, my wetsuit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, I guess that, uh, it, it lost its uh, place in the pecking order for storage locations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, maybe I'll have to break it out. Cause if it's that warm, I mean, I, I'm, i last year, I think I drew, I dove dry all year. So maybe, uh, if we got some nice warm temperatures, maybe I'll break that one out.
1: Yeah, well, it's been been warm. Um, I was watching the cook buoy. It's been up and down there, so max Rec would be a little bit cooler. Mm -hmm. But uh, Sunday, I'm hoping to get down. Well, Saturday, we've got the Mud Club Steak Fry. Yep. So diving the river again. I hit the river tonight. I'll be diving the river again on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Plan to. And then Sunday, I want to take the get wet down to New Buffalo and get out on uh, Fisherman's Reef. And see if I can find the GoPro that I left out there last year.
0: Ah, that that'd be an amazing find.
1: Well, it's it's probably laying in a trench somewhere out there because that's about all you've got is flat top and trenches. So it's a matter of checking the trenches and then checking the washouts to see if it might have ended up down in the rock piles at the washout.
0: Now, the last time you you dove, that was do you was that feel like it's clay or is it pretty hard uh, material?
1: Uh, I'm not a geologist, but I think it's bluestone. Okay. You know, I brought a couple of pieces up and it's kind of blue gray. It's soft. You know, it's, it's maybe the consistency of, of chalk, um, that you'd find a school chalk, you know, in Mm -hmm. the, in the, it's about that texture, that hardness and maybe a little harder. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's definitely, I'd say it is harder than that, but you know, that uh, I got a feeling it's bluestone. So I was talking with someone who's got a friend who's a geologist or family member who's a geologist. So we're going to bring up a few more samples this week and see what we can do with it.
0: Excellent. It'd it'll be, it'll be good to find out, I'm just out of curiosity.
1: Yeah. And I, I really want to get down there and map that with side scan and mapping so that we can show all the trenches that are in this thing and how the trenches vary in depth and they're deeper out towards the outside edges than they are in the centers. Which would prove the water runoff theory, uh, or add credence to the water runoff theory. So it's a it's an interesting geological, and I hope to spend second half of the summer out there on it.
0: Oh, well, cool! Well, it looks like you're going to be able to get some diving in.
1: I'm going to try.
0: Yeah, I've, I've I'm I'm going to try. I'm hoping at least Saturday to get some in. I have the fair that will be starting uh, next week, and every night from about. 6:45 till midnight I'll be working the corn dog booth but uh I may have a little bit more time than I'm accustomed to at fair my my daughter is still recovering from a broken arm so she won't be won't have a horse there so it'll just be a, a fairly light fair as as far as the kids showing anything so maybe I can use that as an opportunity to escape and do a little bit of diving
1: I hope so sorry to hear about your daughter's arm but uh yeah, good. while the sun shines
0: yeah yeah she uh she did that in about may she uh broke the arm um uh, it, was, it was her last jump for the night and the horse is fine she just didn't she just wasn't balanced quite right and we have this uh it's an electric fence but it's that tape and she hit it and the <laughs> tape actually broke but not before it broke her arm and mm. that, after about five weeks it wasn't healing properly. It was a it was a fairly good-sized compound fracture. It didn't come through the skin, but there was quite a few pieces. And, you know, it wasn't until a couple of weeks later I saw a view of the x-ray where you could see how far apart the bones were. And I was like, ah, is that, you know, can that set in its own? Because they had put in a splint and then eventually a cast. But they said, oh, when the swelling goes down, it will join together. Well, it ended up not having not happening, and she ended up having a, a plate and screws put in her arm. And the cast just came off last Friday, so the doctor said no horse riding for at least the a, a month. So, but yeah, uh, so so her pain is maybe might might end up being some diving for me eventually. <laughs> Didn't work out that way. We had we had plenty of of uh, emergency room visits before then. Good. Um, let's see. Oh, and I finally did to get that website Go Dive Now up. It's not clear of, of who is uh, doing it. I would assume it's an agency, but it's kind of a nondescript site. I'll have to do some more digging in later on. Well, this is going to be a quick show. Do you have anything you want to plug before we get to the end?
1: Well, I can give you a couple of updates on dives. We did the hit the river today.
0: Oh, Okay, excellent.
1: Kevin, I know, hit the river a couple weeks ago and posted that he had gotten out there on a Saturday or Sunday for a little while. Um, I took Denise out on the river tonight for her first chance to try it out, and we stayed in the east side of it, and she did pretty well on that. I got a chance to ride the current down and do a little bit of drift, and then I took off, went over to the other side just to see how much... It had changed with all the flooding that there was because there's a high bank and a lot of trees on that side. And uh, I was surprised the uh, the bank is I'm going to say steeper. Um, it seems to have washed some away. Uh, there's a load more of snags and entanglement hazards over there. Before it used to be logs and blocks and you know an occasional tree down in there. Mm-hmm. But now got limbs and branches and twigs and, you know, pieces that are as big around as your thumb, um, lots of places to get really snagged on it. So, it's a lot more difficult to navigate than it was in past years. So, I'm looking forward to getting some sunlight on it. Uh, late in the day, that gets shaded pretty quickly and it gets dark over there, which is the situation I had. So, I just spent a little time looking mm-hmm. at the birds. Happened to find a couple of bottles right after I got in. Uh, got a nice uh, old medicine bottle, which is a, it's a flavoring extract bottle, but it's shaped like a medicine bottle, and a uh, white ceramic uh, mason jar lid. Those were my two finds for the night. Had a perfume bottle, but that was not really interested in that one, so that back in. Mm-hmm. So that was you know, first time in the river this year I got uh, started my, my river collection.
0: How, how was the visibility? Were you getting any good?
1: Um, I had about two to three feet. Oh, okay. It was better with sunlight, but, uh, you know, with it getting shady and starting to get dark, it was probably about 7, 730 by the time I hit that area.
0: So was it so. Sl- slowing down at all, or?
1: Current was going pretty good. Uh, it was partially over the uh, concrete pipe uh, and was flowing pretty good. I noticed through. In springs, they had the locks open. We're bringing water over the top of the dam mm-hmm. uh, to cover the Lake Chapin. Yeah. So, you know, uh, have to keep an up on how much rain the area south of us gets over the next few days and see what the river's going to be like for next week. But it was, it was doable today. Yeah. So I'm glad I got in and got a quick view of what I'm going to have to deal with over there on Saturday and just looking forward to spending some time over there on Saturday.
0: Uh, did you get any rain while you were there? Because I I know that we had some roll through here, which is just a little bit north.
1: There was thunder well south of us, uh, and then there was some sprinkles as we were leaving after getting a bite to eat uh, after the dive. But while we were in the water, it was pretty excuse me pretty much clear skies or you know passing clouds overhead. So it wasn't bad.
0: That's good. Well, hopefully I can get a chance to take a peek uh, this weekend
1: and uh i don't know if you've got time want to get into it tonight or save it for another night but uh would love to talk about glsar a little bit that might be a better uh, subject for another night
0: uh, it's up to you i mean the, we can do it tonight i mean we're we're only at about 45 minutes so uh,
1: well we'll stretch out a little bit and give you a little more okay for for the listeners that don't know and i don't think anybody knows cuz we've just basically just went public this week um about a year ago, there was a drowning uh, not too far from us, and the missing individual had been out kayaking, I guess it was later in the fall, it might have been nine months, had been out kayaking with a friend, uh, their kayaks overturned, and one friend made it to shore, the other didn't. Local public safety and DNR went in searching for him. spent three days searching, never find him um, they waited another two or three days and then finally um, bronze legacy group went in and within a day they had located him exactly where they wanted to start searching but the dnr wanted to check some other areas first uh, long story short the individual was found in six feet of water in a weed bed and it Hit home because it was you know I had volunteered to go down out and do the search, take my side scan, take our sonar, do what we could do, and they asked me, "Well, what organization are you with?" And it was, "Well, yeah, I'm not really with an official organization. It's just a group of us that try to help out when we can." And they kind of blew us off. So at the end of the year, I talked with Darren and Mac and a couple other people. And they agreed to serve on board of directors. So uh, I filed the paperwork, and we formed a not-for-profit corporation called Great Lakes Search and Recovery. And we got approved by the state of Michigan as a not-for-profit corporation, uh, got registered, uh, and then sent the paperwork to Internal Revenue Service. And there was a delay in getting that. I wanted to make sure I had all the documentation right. Well, we got our letter back this past week from the Internal Revenue Church that said, yes, we recognize you as a not-for-profit public charity, and you are basically a 501c3 entity, which means we don't have to pay income taxes, and donations that are made to us are tax-deductible by the people who make the donations. So once we had our 501c3, we turned on our uh, Facebook page, and I've started notifying people that we're out there, we're done, we're available. Uh, we have been involved in two uh, missing person searches since the first of the year. Uh, we did not find the individuals, but we were there searching to continue to give the or hope. Uh, and our basic goal is not to replace the public safety teams, but most of the public safety teams that I'm aware of don't have unlimited resources, and a lot of times they're, I won't say volunteer divers, but they might be sheriff's deputies who are normally on the road or in the jail, and they're part of the dive team. So when they've got to call them out and spend two or three or four days diving, looking for the individual, but at some point they've got to stop and go back to their regular jobs. And what Great Lakes Search and Recovery wants to do is uh, use our volunteer resource and pick up where the sheriff's teams or the public safety teams have to drop off. You know, pass the baton to us and we'll keep the search going for, you know, a few more days and see what we can do. Uh, we're also working on getting some special equipment that a lot of sheriff's departments don't have. Um, I've just made a $3,000 investment in a SOC scan uh, sonar head. And as soon as it's available, uh, I, it's called Pana Optics. Uh It's a steerable, live-view sonar. So uh, not quite as good as a Kongsberg uh, Mesotech, but I believe it's going to be better than a Hummingbird 360, especially with being able to be steerable. And it can be used stationary, which is nice. You can just uh, anchor the boat upstream from a log jam, or a bunch of down trees or a strainer. And you can scan that whole area as many times as you want and as much as you want from multiple angles to see if you've got an object in there that needs further investigation. So that's currently on back order, but as soon as it's available, uh, that will be coming in. That's the second half of the $3,000 investment. And so uh, we're looking for, now that we've got the 501C3, we're looking for uh, funding and donations to try to uh, help buy some of this equipment. Um, we've got other gear that we need to purchase. And so we're putting the word out there that our group is available. Uh, we are organized, we are recognized, and uh, we've got some skills and some services and equipment that we can make available to help bring home the missing persons that haven't been found. And so Great yeah. Lakes and Recovery, um, GLSAR.org we haven't gotten the web page turned on yet but the facebook page is up and operating and if you'd like to check it out or give us a like uh, we'd appreciate it
0: yeah and as we get that stuff updated we'll we'll link to it from the scuba obsessed in the uh, mud club site so people can find it and then we'll we'll provide some updates here on the program so people can be aware of what's going on
1: yeah we've uh... You know, it's even without, uh, once we were organized, it was a lot easier to, to talk to people and say, oh, we've got this organization, you know, we're a corporation, we're uh, charity-based, technically, and uh, we're just waiting for the IRS to come back with our paperwork approval. And now that that's there, it's, uh, let's go full speed, let's get it going. And uh, it's been, like I say, in the works for about nine months or longer, just locally trying to get everything set up and, you know, do it the right way, get yeah. it recognized, identified, IRS, uh, cleared, you know, get everything in place. And so we're, uh, put some credibility to the time and effort and work that we've, we've done put into this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that's the way, the way to go. Uh, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to get support with an organization than than what just looks like a, just a random group of guys.
1: Yeah. Uh, so that's, uh, that's where we stand so you know as Darren said we'll provide updates as we go along uh if there's people listening who would like to get involved or get some you know help us out we're primarily going to work in the Great Lakes region that's where we're focusing on to start with That doesn't say we won't go out of that on certain cases or if we have a need Uh, but being a volunteer-based group it's a matter of you know Get 20 people involved, and hopefully, out of that 25 can take off and go for a weekend or four or five days. Maybe you get five for a weekend, and two or three can stay for another couple of days after that. Yeah. So, well,
0: and then if you you get more people involved, then you can also have them kind of swap out so you don't have the burden on just a a few people.
1: Right. Right. And uh, from what I have experienced, Public safety diving is definitely different than any kind of sport or wreck or tech diving. It's kind of a blend of many different things. And to do it right, you really need one or more tenders for every diver you're putting in the water. So three divers in the water requires a six- or seven-person team to put those three divers in the water.
0: Yeah, and, and that certainly makes, makes sense because you're uh, – I mean – part of the nature of where we end up having to go and what we're looking for, you need that extra support than you you do when you're in a fairly known body of water that you've dove a hundred times and you're just out for a casual uh, dive.
1: Yeah, and chances are with us coming in, you know, after the fact, it it's uh, a high probability that if it were easy, somebody would have found them before we got called.
0: Yes. Yeah, because as, as you've pointed out, you've got public safety divers, and uh, at least here in Michigan, it seems that every county has two or three uh, organizations. You know, uh, you know, like in, in Berrien County, we have the the Berrien County Sheriff's Department has a dive team, and then probably a, a third of the fire departments seem to have some form of dive or water
1: rescue group. Yeah, there's a lot of water rescue, uh, but not as many who have a true dive team. Mm-hmm. So it uh it's interesting you know we're we're in an area where we've got lake michigan covering part of Barron county yeah and we've got a river running through Barron county you know in the Galeen river and there's a lot of a lot of uh water in this area yeah uh, i mentioned the inland lakes so
0: and and that water is there all year round so yeah the the ice goes over it and things can happen
1: uh yeah, well, I, you know, I pulled a truck out of the ice last year. Somebody tried to drive there across the ice and uh, go rescue their snowmobile. Ended up losing the snowmobile and the truck.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's easy to do.
1: So if you get a chance, check it out. Great Lakes Search and Recovery. We're 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 not focusing on rescue. Chances are, by the time we get called, it's going to be a recovery. And there's a world of difference between rescue and recovery. Um, so that's uh, that's where we're going. I, I want to share one fact statistic that just amazed me when I went through some dive rescue training uh, through Dive Rescue International. Eighty-seven percent of the diver fatalities in rescue and recover rescue work or public safety diving were on dives that had zero chance of a rescue and saving a life, 87% were either in recovery dives or training dives, uh, not in dives where you risk a lot to save a lot. That just amazed me how many of the deaths are, you know, you you don't risk a person's life for a recovery.
0: Yeah, And, and so those are periods of time where it's not possible for that individual to be found alive. Just physically, right. they're, they're not, they've been gone too long, either by temperature or submerged, that there's there's no hope.
1: Right. Uh, These, you know, that's reality dives, you know. Yeah. They're, you know, face it, before you ever get in the water, you know they're dead and they're, no matter how quickly you bring them up, you're not going to get a save. And uh, that statistic just really hit home with me.
0: Yeah. Now, uh, did you have any more information on uh, some of the factors that were leading up to that? Was it, uh, uh, were, were, I mean, I hate to say that the people involved were rushing, but is it that they were putting in too much time, not doing proper safety procedures?
1: Well, that was just the overall statistic on it. Um, each one of those cases gets a thorough investigation. Um, Some were, you know, training accidents. Uh, Some were entrapments. Uh, Some were medical issues while diving. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fell into that, you know, public safety diver fatality. So uh, there's a seminar in Chicago this, I believe it's in the fall or the winter, uh, that I'm definitely going to attend because I think it's going to have some reviews of the, um, yeah, New York Buffalo. Buffalo, New York police diver who lost his life in a training accident on the Niagara River. And it probably will have some information on the Chicago fire diver who lost his life. in, And that was a legitimate rescue attempt Mm -hmm. in Chicago about a month ago. So those are both recent incidents that uh, I'd love to hear more information about and understand a little deeper to know what went wrong, if they ever can tell what went wrong. But from the experts' perspective, what they think went wrong and what their recommendations are to correct that. So more to come.
0: Yeah, yeah, and we'll keep everybody informed as as things develop and uh, solidify. And also, we'll, we we may be calling on some of our listeners for support because uh, you know the uh, I don't know if you mentioned it, but in the recoveries, there's no charges to the families uh, for the service.
1: Right. We are. We're set up as a, um, all we ask is that if, if we're asked to come in and we're traveling outside of our, our local area, you know, if, uh, if the person requesting can provide us with simple meals and housing and expenses for fuel, you know, we'll come in. There's no charge for what we do. Uh, we just would like some help with, uh, you know, maybe you can get a motel to donate a couple of rooms for a couple of nights so we've got a place to stay. And, you know, either local church to do a potluck supper or something so you can feed us. Uh, That cuts down on the expenses out of our pocket. You know, we're putting a lot of money into training, equipment, travel, giving up our time. And, you know, we like not to hit our volunteers too hard in pocketbooks, go out on these jobs and spend two or three days out there and have to pay for a motel and have to pay for all their meals when it sure is telling vacation.
0: Yeah, so that 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 would certainly help. So
1: that's the plug I put in for tonight.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good one. I like that one. A little biased, of course, but uh, why why else do we get to do this if we can't go and 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 do some plug-in? So let's see. It's uh, I don't I don't think I've got anything more on the docket. Uh, if Kevin was here, he would say make sure you support your local dive shops and your local libraries so if you're into shipwreck hunting those are some great resources to take advantage of visit your library those librarians would love to to give you a hand And your dive shops right now we got to be approaching peak dive season i would say at least here for local diving i think so so we've 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 gotten rid of that chilly spring water We're now in the full summer water and uh you know, the sooner you get in the better the viz is it's, I think we occasionally have it slip off here as we get a little bit later in August. We'll have some turnover, I think, where this, it, we, we got to two extremes. We'll either have it where we'll we'll have two feet or we'll, we could have 150. So are you ready for that time of the show?
1: I am ready.
0: A scuba diver and a free diver walk into a bakery. The free diver steals three buns and put them in his pockets and leaves. He said to the scuba diver, That took great skill and guile to steal those buns. The owner didn't even see me. The scuba diver replied, that's just simple thievery. I'll show you how to do it the honest way and get the same results. The scuba diver then proceeds to call the owner of the bakery and say, sir, I want to show you a magic trick. The the owner was intrigued, so he came to see the magic trick. The scuba diver asked him for a bun and he proceeded to eat it. He then asked two more times and after eating them, the owner says, okay, my friend, but where's the magic trick? The Scuba Diver says, look in the free diver's pockets. <laughs> yeah, maybe not.
1: <laughs> I don't even think the crickets got that one.
0: No. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we need to cue the crickets better.
1: Yeah. You know, you know I don't have to run fair. I don't have to run fair. I fair <laughs> i do yeah.
0: So on that note, go out there and get wet.
1: And at back upstairs, stay safe and have fun while you're at it.
0: Welcome back to Scoob Up, Juice.